People think that home values go up year over year over year. And sure, when you zoom out on a chart of home prices at a 30,000 foot elevation and look down, it looks like straight lines. Well, when you zoom in, there's lots of peaks and valleys in between. And I'm telling you, we were calling this so early. We, I mean, 10 to 15%. And in the beginning, I think I called 15 to 25% or something like that as a correction. And I backed off to 10 to 15 because the numbers just were so slow to move. I, I don't know why people get so, uh, even realtors across the country are getting so like concerned. No, no, they're not going to go down. And again, for those in the back, the National Association of Realtors looks at the market with a very different lens. Their solution to the affordability crisis is not home values going down. It's rates going down. Right. Because that is not what drives commissions for them. Now, the Mortgage Bankers Association has a very different spin on, on what drives affordability and demand because they get paid off of the amount of loans they can do. And as rates go up or down, it obviously impacts them as well. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is probably the top of my agenda, I think, whenever we got, whenever I got back from vacation, was sitting down talking to you. To come back to the studio? Come back to the studio, see your fuzzy face. Upgrade the studio a little bit. We did a little bit of upgrades. Lighting, sexy. The uh, finish with the sound deadening, finally. I know. So if we sound extra crispy and extra fresh, it's not just the New Year alcohol wearing off. It's mm -hmm. because we actually are. We put the intern to work. The intern's to work. Intern, although, did not get his laptop to work. I mean, what Try. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's tried. okay. Your technical foul. A for effort. So before we jump into the show, mm -hmm. before we get back to our 2023 show start off mm -hmm. because i know all of you who heard our previous show was actually the first one we recorded that before the new year this is after the new year so we're back in the studio for you i would like to know if you got any resolutions i was gonna say you already failed your resolution by eating that fatty chicken sandwich i don't have resolutions, five brother <laughs> five minutes before the show i don't have to worry about that because i don't promise myself things i know i'm not gonna I know, do neither do i no. not a new year's resolution guy neither am i but i do have one thing i want to try Okay. We haven't talked about this, so it's probably going to throw you for a little bit of a loop because you're going to think, what, what in the actual shit is he talking about? But okay. Yeah. I have never liked running. Never liked running? Like running in general. Uh, I don't like it. We used to have some heavy competitions, though, when, back when pre-Apple Watch days and the Nike run app. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I do. And uh -huh. it was, but I don't like it. Yeah. Unless I'm properly motivated, like a hamburger at the end of the, you know, the finish line or something. I'm not. <laughs> some planet, planet fitness type motivation. Yeah. Like I'll do. I'll, you know, I'll do a Stairmaster all day long. I'll sprint. Really? I'll, you know, I'll get on a treadmill and do some sprints and stuff. Mm. But like just running. I love the sprints on the treadmill. 
Yeah, okay. just running in general is on its on its own. Like you know, hey, running at a pace for like I don't know, ten miles, fifteen miles, hate it. Yeah, worst thing ever. Okay, so what do you want to do? I'm gonna start running. Why? I just feel like it's one of those things that that I've not liked doing as a kid mm-hmm. that I just want to do more of and see. Right. And I also have an ulterior motive. Like I'll be traveling a lot this year for work. Okay. So I figure there are some places I go that have a spectacular gym. Mm-hmm. Some places I go that don't. They always have a treadmill. They always have a treadmill and. I want to make more of a conscious effort to run outside and see different places. Yeah, I remember when we went up to San Jose, we like hiked around for four or five miles. Yeah, I had to get you to loosen up the butthole a little bit before you met Adam. You were <laughs> come you were, on, loosen up the <laughs> yo. That's why. <laughs> that's wild. You were so tight, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fed you steak and hey, eggs. Walked around for a little bit. Uh, it's okay. We got you got the checked job out. Done, bro. Yeah. yeah, it was great. You it was got the job done. Took yeah. you for a couple mile walk. Just like a dog in heat, bro. I had, yeah. you, I had you ready to go. I know. All right. Well, nothing for you. Nothing. You got nothing on the agenda. You want to. You want to get done this year? Like anything in particular? I want to keep saving and get myself ready for that first investment property. Well, we're gonna get you there. Uh, that's the goal. July, August. Yeah. As soon as you get Adam his investment property first. Yeah. Then, we're then, gonna, you're, then you're allowed. We. To get, we. Yeah, not yeah. you, bro. Do the work. <laughs> so I'm gonna start off the show with a little bit of a gloomy. I guess, twist, if, if you want to call it that. I would like to take a moment to say, hey, look, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about on the show is not necessarily news to the audience, but there are a lot of people out there in the financial ecosystem talking about things that you've heard from us for a very long time. And there is a little bit of validation in this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel a little validated. Don't I always you? feel validated. Yeah. The U.S. is in a recession by any definition, the big short investor Michael Burry says. Mm-hmm. Those of you who didn't watch The Big Short, I highly recommend it. It talks a lot about the Great Recession and the meltdown of the financial markets. And, for example, Michael Burry's prediction uh, of how bad it was going to be and how much it wound up being very lucrative for him and knowing that. Yeah, he was played by Christian Bale in the movie. <laughs> Look at you doing your research. Mm. And uh, Jim Wilkinson, my friend who's been on the show. Yes. One of our first guests. That was played by Topher Grace. Mm. There you go. See, I see you. And I raised you. Yeah, it was a raise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> According to Bloomberg Business, Scion Asset Management founder Michael Burry uh, said, while inflation has peaked, it is likely to pick up again in response to government stimulus. So we've talked about, I want to break this, this article down a little bit and be somewhat pragmatic in going through it. So I'm going to read the, the three paragraphs from this article, but I want to talk in between. Okay. So that's actually a pretty powerful one-line statement. While inflation has peaked, it is likely to pick up in response to government stimulus. Remember when you and I were talking on the show about how things like uh, the Paycheck Protection Program and, and all the, the stimulus that we were handing out helped further this? And then what do we do? We got into this 9.1% inflationary economy. Right. And the government spends more money in the Inflation Reduction By Act. By passing the, yep, the Inflation Reduction And Act. all these other things that they're talking about doing. It just spends more money. And the study that I think we saw from, was, was it Chicago? I can't remember what school it was. They did a study on the Inflation Reduction Act. In the near term, it's actually likely to raise mm-hmm. inflation, not lower. Yes. So he's spot on. And I'm going to say he got an article in Bloomberg for being accurate. Yet we called this six months in advance. So like, do we have to call somebody at Bloomberg to get like an article about us? So how does right. this work? Mm-hmm. You're not paying attention. To no, no, no I'm, I'm trying to, I think it was the Warren School you, of Business. Oh, it was Wharton. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was doing. I was finding it. Okay. Next time, try to uh, act like you care. I was doing the job. I was, do, I, was, I was doing the intern's job. I do have feelings. You know, you're a terrible intern. <laughs> he tried. He <Yeah>. tried. <laughs> uh, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, who's that voice in the background? I'm like, nobody who's, na- who's going to be named until such time as he's earned a name on the show. Okay? Yeah. He's working hard. Intern bitch. <laughs> 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 this is hazing. <laughs> 
All right, quote from the article, the U.S. is in a recession by any definition. Burry, the investor made famous by Christian Bale in the 2015 movie, The Big Short, said on Twitter last Sunday. Ironically, people are saying these things now on Twitter, where years ago they'd have to say in the public news outlets. And yet they're still giving the same credence, which is kind of fascinating to me. Right. Another quote from him, Fed will cut and government will stimulate. And we will have another inflation spike. He's basically saying this they're going to be forced to. It's inevitable to stimulate. So I've always been a proponent on the show, and I think you and I have agreed on this, that I don't foresee the government providing more stimulus. I don't see how they can, but I, ne- I didn't understand the other ones to begin with either. So Yeah, and I will say there's a big-ass asterisk here in that November, sorry, November uh, 24 mm-hmm. is the next election. And it's a very, very big election. Right. So just like we saw with the student debt relief, where it looks like Democrats put that out in the media, pushed it through, even though they knew there was a big probability of it being declared illegal, like we talked about on the show. Right. And that helped get them votes. And then shortly after that, they have the, the, the election, the midterms that, mm-hmm. that rolled out. They got some headway there. It was in court and now still in court for being unconstitutional. Yeah, right. Arguably, it, they may have put it out there knowing that it would go into court. Right. 100%. No, yeah. I think they did that. They said, look, right. there, if anything, they said that, you know what, there's a huge probability that this will be litigated by the Republicans and you know, states, obviously. Mm-hmm. And even though there is certainly a position to take there, we feel like it's within our power. Now, I will say anything that relies on a wartime bill in order to do something like this, when we are not truly at war under the traditional common sense right. variant of it. Right. I mean, it was kind of sketchy to begin with. Exactly. So... The, the idea that the government will provide additional stimulus is scary to me and that I think that would be a very wrong way to go. But I thought what's interesting here, Fed will cut and government will stimulate and then his next statement, and we will have inflation spike. We've talked a lot about how Jerome Powell really has a love affair with Paul Volcker. Right, exactly. And Volcker, as we all know in the famous, I think it was 80, 81, 82, caused the double dip recessionary economies. Exactly. It was a long, painful one. Right. Two years, right? Two years, yeah, 81 and 82. Uh, A traditional recessionary economy lasts between 12 and 18 months. Right. So I started to think to myself, okay, a double dip recession. Let's just say if you double those numbers, right? Mm -hmm. 12 to 18 months times two, 24 to 36 months. Right. If we got into a double dip recessionary economy, then I thought, okay, wait a minute. That means that our supposition that we've been in a recessionary economy since January 1st, 2022 may actually be correct. Right. Because here we are 12 months effectively in to a recessionary economy, again, marking the June 30th, 2022, the second uh, the quarter. The end of the second quarter. The end of the second quarter of negative GDP growth, going back to the beginning of that is your start, according right. to what I'm sure the National Bureau of Economic Research will say. That, that means at some point in the next, call it six months, we can see the end of the first recessionary economy, which oh. will fall right in line with what we talked about, right. June 30th, 2023. Right. Exactly. And then July being that opportunity to buy. Mm-hmm. But... There could very likely be a double dip if the government does try to provide some stimulus or do something to stop, I guess, work against the Fed. Right. And it's Jerome Powell's sighting of his love for Volcker that really makes me believe that all those people that are, are hoping that the Fed will pivot earlier than, than what they've, they've said, it, that's completely wrong out the window because he keeps citing Volcker. It's going to be a long, painful, drawn out process. I don't see them turning on rates midway through the year, Nick, this year. Well, he's been very clear. He's been very clear. We're not cutting rates in 2023. No. Now, I will say the Fed, who has gone, and, and, and Jerome Powell in particular, has gone above and beyond to say that he wants to communicate. Right. And has been super communicative to everybody out there. Mm-hmm. 
But people are accusing him of retrading things that he said because data comes up and he goes, okay, I'm going to deviate a little bit. Most notably was the 75 base point increase where everybody thought was 50, I think was the second one. Right. So I think there's a little bit of distrust in what the Fed is saying as being sure fact. Right. But there's also this climate with the recession coming up. So with the recession, possibly what we're in now with an election coming up. Right. In my mind, there's no bigger reason for the political pressures to cause the government to work against the Fed than an actual election. Which is so insane to me that they don't work hand in hand with one another. They don't. They have right. different, different missions entirely. Completely different missions. Yeah. They're, not, they're not at all aligned. And I think that there's a, a misconception that there's some, there's some conversations that happens. Right. And especially and, with the housing market, the only way to really battle this affordability issue is to lower rates and, and Powell saying he's not going to. He's not going to, but I'll, I'll say that me as a banker, I have, we try not to be biased on the show, mm -hmm. you know, and to the extent that I, I can, I like to be, I like to be somewhat objective, but I will tell you, I do have a bit of a bias in that I think that the banking system is going to crack. And I don't know if that's my personal bias because I'm on the front lines of it every day, mm -hmm. or if it's truly mounting there as the next big thing. We talked about a little bit in the last episode, but I'm seeing more and more pressures in the banking system. And it's not the liquidity being drawn out like I thought it was going to be. Right. Banks are surviving fine with the liquidity leaving the system because there's always, there's always money to be had on some level, mm -hmm. right? And some of that's normalizing. But it's the massively fast pace of rates going up that banks can't compete with because every time they think the market's going to stabilize and they can put some income earning assets on their books, which are going to generate that net interest margin that they make so much money off of. Right. The Fed in increases interest rates again. I know. And here we are. We've had this little bit of a lull. We got two a two month period right before the next. So February, March, February first, right? Is right. The next yeah. one, is the next meeting with so, so a minimum of, of a minimum of twenty five basis points. That's the rumor, right? That is the rumor, and one hundred percent probability by Bloomberg. And according to economists, I think seventy percent chance of recession mm -hmm. in the next couple months. Definitely, definitely the chief economist at the higher standard. Mm. He's got three first names. Let's go, baby. He's in queue for a Nobel laureate. <laughs> I don't, do they call it a Nobel laureate? Like the actual Nobel, it's a Nobel Prize, but you are a laureate. You are, you win it. right, exactly. So I need to really talk to you about your, you know, yeah, I'm your just, accomplishments I, off the air. Yeah, There's I'm, so much I need to learn. The award is actually a coin. You know? Oh, it is? Yeah. Does Ben Bernanke give it to you? <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah, I want his. You got to give me yours. You gotta, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you write your name on it or something? Yeah, I want to engrave it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't do that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I knew anything about sports anymore. I talk about a, a real reflective, like sport topic. But at this point, I'm out. Yeah, yeah you're, you're tapping out. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. even. Yeah, I don't no. even claim to know anything about sports. It's like anymore. the Stanley Cup, man. Only the people that win it get to touch it. Is that a thing? It's a thing. Did not know that. Except when it went over to Russia. Wait, what? It went it went over to Russia and apparently went missing for like a day or two. Right? No one knew where it was. Somebody dry hunted for sure. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, if I had it, I would. Yeah, exactly. Or is it actually a cup? Can I drink out of it? <laughs> no, bro. It's massive. It's like as tall as you are. And the problem would be what? No, I'm just saying it's massive. Have we not clarified that I'm Wide. an alcoholic? I'm drinking right now. Wide load. Hey, man. <laughs> hey. Sometimes it's warranted. <laughs> you know? The bigger the cocktail. Let's finish off this article from Bloomberg. I think it's a good, good statement. In September, Burry had warned of more pain for the stock market. And pausing here, that sounds a whole hell of a lot like Jamie Dimon. I was just going to say another 20% to go, like Uncle Jamie said. And everyone was saying, oh my God, man, the market's bottomed out. And Jamie Dimon was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. 20, 25% more to go, kids. And within the next six to nine months. Yeah. Yep. And frankly, he seems like he could be right on the money. Mm -hmm. Saying, we have not hit bottom yet. In the second quarter last year, his firm dumped all 
of its equity exposure besides one company. Wow. Do you know what that one company is? I did not read I didn't, that part I didn't research it. Yeah. But this is why you should listen to this guy. So he famously, if you haven't watched the movie, The Big Short, this is how he got so famous. He famously profited from the subprime mortgage crisis by shorting the 2007 mortgage bond market, making approximately $100 million for himself and $700 million for his investors. That's it? I mean. I remember the first time I made $100 million. <laughs> Was it starting this podcast? No, uh, no, no. Th- this podcast has cost about a hundred million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> All those fake reviews, brother, yeah. are they're hard to get. <laughs> Shout out to Dammy Four Hundred. You know what yeah, I mean? <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go, Dammy. Yeah, you got to You got to get as get them where you can. Yeah. Um, actually, there's an interesting article I just read. I'm gonna read it on the show. I think I wasn't planning on it. The the make a little left. Okay. Take a little sightseeing yeah. trip. You, down. you want to take a side step? Yeah. So euro step. A little euro step. Wow. Look at okay. you. The sports reference. So Robert Frund. An attorney who's been on the show before, mm-hmm. he uh, posted a really interesting case that I, I thought was kind of fascinating. Okay. So we all know that on social media, fake followers are really prevalent, particularly like Instagram and Twitter and, and the bots. whole bot situation. Yeah. Right. And you can go to these websites and you can buy fake followers and all that, right? Right. The reason why I originally split in part ways with the original PR company that I was working with to grow my Instagram and social media accounts was... I could tell the growth was not organic and some of those followers were fake. And did they tell you that that was part of their mission, their plan? Originally, no. And then when I pressed, uh, I was told that all large accounts have fake followers. It's part of the game. You need to be, you need to, as people see your number grow, they want to follow you. Right. And and there's a whole bunch of a shtick there. And then there Mm -hmm. was obviously a whole concentration in India. I think my account now that, so I spent, just to recap for everybody else, I spent a great amount of time. I had full-time employees literally unfollowing and disconnecting from fake accounts. Right. Because Instagram has made it so so much part of their ecosystem. You can't follow, you can't unfollow accounts or block them or restrict them from looking, you know, looking at your account just to get rid of the follower account more than a certain amount per day without triggering their algorithm and then them stopping you from doing it. Mm. So you have to be very you know, slow and methodical about how you get through it because in order to do it and do it over time, you have to, you know, unfollow some accounts or block some accounts, restrict them and whatever, and right. kind of get, get them off your profile. It took a long time. I had a full-time employee doing it. That's insane. And didn't Elon and the team over at Twitter like already get rid of all the bots they claimed to have gone? They just of- blocked the IP addresses, which they knew, and then that blocked all the accounts, and they just kind of went away overnight. It was that easy. Well, so it, I noticed the follower accounts didn't go away. So I don't know if they, they shut the accounts down. I think they just blocked the IP addresses from commenting. I so it stops the rhetorics, but it keeps the number of account open accounts there. That's my guess. He hasn't probably talked about that, but it looks like Twitter slowed down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rhetoric now are accounts that are Twitter blue verified. Someone spent $8 per account. It's yeah. not a big deal for you, you know, you, me, everybody else. But if you have like a bot farm and you got, you know, 100,000 accounts. You're not about to pay $8 for it. Yeah, bot, you're not about right. to do that. Exactly. And so it doesn't make sense for you. But, but on Instagram, their ecosystem is kind of driven by it. So. It, it, my account was like up to 40%, you know, from located from India and like Russia. And now mm-hmm. it's down to like below 10% each one, each one of them. Oh, so we made a huge transition, but in the, yeah, my account was as high as 60,000 followers. And now it's mm-hmm. down to like 40 some thousand, 47,000, but that's up from about half. I lost like half the followers like overnight when I started getting rid of them. Right. Uh, and it took a long time. It took about a year. So I, I know this all too well, right? Mm, right. You, and you can fake a lot of accounts. Now, the reason why they follow a lot of big celebrities is not because they're out there really paying for them per se. It's because if you have a bot account, and you're, you have these big bot farms, you have them follow a bunch of people like celebrities. Mm-hmm. So it looks like your account's a normal active account. Right. Because those celebrities aren't just going to kick you off. 
right? right. And yeah. it's not going to be as visible in their in their profiles. Exactly. And you have them place fake comments everywhere, whatever, whatever. So let, let's get to the point of this case. This case revolves all around this topic. The Washington State Attorney General has sued a plastic surgery provider for manipulating customer reviews and buying fake Instagram followers. Being held accountable in the court system. I found this fascinating. Wow. Right? They, the issues here apply not just to medical providers, but all consumer-facing businesses. So no matter what kind of accounts you have, mm-hmm. you have fake followers and now fake reviews. You're profiting off of it. And you're profiting off of it. That, how disingenuous is that? Right. So I was like, wow, this could be interesting. So the guy's name is, so his, his Instagram handle, if you want to shame him, is uh, <laughs> oh, Real, Real Doctor Seattle. And he's got a verified account, 66,000 followers, right? And he looks kind of goofy, but that's a different topic. So the AG alleges Sajan, that's the doctor's name, required patients to agree to an NDA prohibiting negative reviews. You want to come see me as a doctor? You have to sign this agreement, a non-disclosure agreement, and you cannot provide negative reviews. So if I, if I mess up, you can't, you can't leave me a negative review. Uh-huh. That is wild. That is a clear violation of the Consumer Review Fairness Act. Yeah. You cannot include gag clauses, pervert, okay. about negative reviews in <laughs> consumer contracts. Pause. Here is the offending language from the contract. Ready? I agree not. I This is not my English, by the way. Okay, I'm just going to read this from the, from the contract. This is, this is from the real Dr. Yeah. Seattle. Maybe I should do it in Borat voice. <laughs> do it, yeah. <laughs> I agree not leave a review a negative or say anything that will hurt the reputation of practice. Yeah. <laughs> I understand negative review is considered anything less than four star and any negative comment. Damn, nothing under four stars. Yeah, nothing under four stars. Damn. And then if I leave a negative review without contacting a representative of the practice and allowing them to resolve the issue, I give permission and allow a response from the practice with my personal health information and agree to pay a $250. Fifty thousand dollars. Get out of here. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars fine. So how did they get wind of this? So like, did he try to sue somebody for leaving him? Uh, Which is a violation of HIPAA, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're gonna is he gonna sue somebody? How did they get wind of it? It's a complaint. I mean, I'm assuming somebody was like, "Fuck this." Yeah, he, yeah. He messed but, up, and I can't leave a, a, a bad review. Yeah. So somebody probably tipped off the attorney general. So John allegedly orchestrated the creation of fake reviews using VPN to disguise the origin of the reviews, which you need to write this down. Yeah. Give it to our intern so we can get some fake podcast reviews. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Intern, are you listening? We're not in Seattle, bro. Yeah. Is, is what bribery oh. involved? Oh, wow. Wow. Look at that. That's how we find out. You got to tell me. Really, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie bitch. <laughs> That's all right. So um, fake reviews have been a recent focus for the FTC. And the attorney general cites that to the FTC's endorsement guidelines here. And I have heard a lot about this. The FTC's cracking down on some things like this. Right. Which it's about fucking time. Yeah. It's about time. But yeah. So here's an example of the fake reviews from the complaint. Oh, goody, goody, oh, let's drops. go. This is what All I right. want to see. Okay. I have always been self-conscious of my nose. Since I was young, I was hesitant to get a nose job because it wasn't that bad. Oh, no. I learned about non-surgical rhinoplasty from Dr. Sajan and decided to give it a try. It was, I was a bit skeptical because it was inexpensive and took less than an hour, but wow! Took less than an hour? All caps. Non-surgical. They basically give you injections, bro. What? It's, yeah, you ever heard about non-surgical rhinoplasty? No. Yeah, I looked into it. It was a Christmas gift for you, and I just didn't... <laughs> it was, it I don't need it, bro. This <laughs> nose is solid. It's, just, it's like injections. Like yeah. It's basically like... You to know, do whatever. what? To make... So they, like, if you have like a bump, they like... 
fill in the gaps on top and below to make the bump look less noticeable. But then your nose looks bigger. Look, man, I'm not the doctor here, bro. Yeah, I'm just well, telling who, you. Who's telling you this? Uh, Dr. Sajan. <laughs> Dr. Sajan. <laughs> All my friends thought I had nose surgery. The results are amazing. Thanks, Dr. Sajan. Yeah. You, you did get nose surgery, though. No, she got yeah. non-surgical just... rhinoplasty. Nah, man. To me, you got no surgery. No, man. Non-surgical rhinoplasty. <laughs> just because they name it that. Hey, it's the Inflation Reduction Act. It, okay. didn't, it, didn't, it didn't reduce inflation. Okay. There's more coming here. All right. So can you focus for yeah, five focusing, seconds? Yeah. All right. All right. So John allegedly manipulated reviews by buying 60,000 followers through a vendor on Black Hat World. Mind you, he has 66,000 followers right now. Wow. Do the, wow. Yeah. yeah, do the math. He also allegedly, quote, used a social media bot tool called Jarvi to buy thousands of fake likes on Instagram to create the false appearance that defendants are more popular. No shit. Mm -mm. Shocker. Yeah. I think every asshole on Instagram is doing this right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I know some very well-known celebrities whose PR companies are doing this for them on every single post. So crazy. It's what keeps the, the mechanism going. How do you think Kim Kardashian charges so much? Right. I mean, look, if you look at someone's account, unless they're like a massive celebrity and they're getting the exact same amount of likes and comments every right. single time. You got to look at that ratio. You, you got to be like, so this person's never posted something that people are like, no, nah, this sucks. Right. I mean, if you go to my account, you'll see like some views, 20,000, some mm -hmm. views, 2,000. And I guarantee you every time those 2,000 views come out, I'm the person on there going, God damn it. But I don't delete it. I mean, do you allow yourself to even be influenced by influencers? Me? Yeah. Inadvertently. Seriously? Like, I don't mean to do it, but it's, it's like a penis what? Like, what kind of, what kind of, it's a penis thing. It's a, it's a dick thing. What kind, what, what kind of products could you be tricked into liking or buying? No, 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 no. I don't, no, no. I, so, I'm sorry. I should rephrase. I don't get tricked into buying shit from an influencer. Right. Like, that generally does not happen because I don't really look, believe it or not, I don't look and scroll through social media at like people who are selling shit. Right. Like I'm looking at like friends and family and I'm looking, like I try to, when I get on Instagram or like TikTok or Twitter now, like I'm trying to engage with as many people as I can. And I'm falling way behind. It used to be manageable. Now it's just fucking impossible. It's hard. Yeah. And it's not me like bragging. It's just between my work and everything else. It's just, it's hard to be responsive and yeah. I feel like a dick sometimes. But so I spend more of my time doing that than actually buying things. But what I will tell you is I do look at other people's accounts. Yeah. Like their engagement and stuff like that. Now that I'm more social media savvy. Right. And some of this shit just, I, I get envy. Yeah. Because you get some of these accounts and I look at them and I'm like, they're not putting in like the, the quality of videos that we're putting out or the, effort, the content. Right, yeah. They're just doing some goofy shit, throwing up fake gang signs, gang bangers, getting the shit kicked out of them. But that's going <laughs> to, that's going to go viral. That's going to, yeah, they know the algorithm. And me teaching you how to get rich. You know, honestly, I swear to God, I could have a viral video tomorrow if I literally got on social media and said, listen, I'm going to teach you how to get fucking rich right now. Okay. Yeah. If you don't want to get rich, go ahead and don't pay attention. I guarantee right. you starting off with that, anything I said afterward. Right. I can say, you know, go eat duck fat for five days and you'll get rich and people people will go do it and, yeah. and i'll go viral it'll be an amazing thing exactly but you sit down and say listen let me tell you how to fix your credit score click next yeah i don't need that exactly yeah. <laughs> they're like yeah. why i'll get back to that shit later i've got dave ramsey for that yeah exactly i don't need you <laughs> yeah i trust him yeah. he grin fucks me every day <laughs> anyway the ftc previously determined that buying and selling buying and selling fake followers is illegal i'm gonna uh, say that again for the people in the back the FTC previously determined that buying and selling fake followers is illegal. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. And how the fuck is everybody doing it still? Right. I mean, how are they going to eventually crack down on this? Hey, intern, I can hear your stomach growling from over here. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the show. God, this is why we got to sit them outside. <laughs> Jesus. We're putting you on the glass next time. <laughs> God damn. 
2019, a seller of fake followers called Devi Devumi paid $2.5 million to resolve the FTC's case. This case against Sajan is the first that anyone is aware of that has targeted a buyer of fake followers. Not the seller, but the buyer. Right. Or bastard that 66,000 followers, 60K. I was like, why can't I be the first? Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's out there selling, you know, like Forex courses or, I mean, if you're going to go after somebody, go after fucking Grant Cardone. That's dude. what I was going to say. Like, why, why are you going why, after the $66,000, like, surgical plastic yeah. surgery guy? Yeah, this guy got a hold of somebody's wife and now they're coming back at him. Wow. That's what happened. You went right there? Now you know that's what happened. Wow. Come on, man. That's that's terrible and funny. Yeah. AG also alleges John deceptively altered before and after photos for advertising. Okay. If oh we're going to come down on that, God. every goddamn influencer on social media who alters their photo, Kim Kardashian. Right. You have uh, photos of her waist that have been sucked in, like your whole family, and like you're going to go after this guy with 66,000 followers every, and Dr. Every, Scandal? Everything has been Photoshopped. Yeah. Everything. Come on now. I mean, come on, meow. <laughs> come on. Here's directly from the complaint. One of the defendant's former employees whose responsibilities included, in turn, you paying attention over there? Editing photos and videos told the state that the defendant's altera- um, alterations went beyond touch-ups, such as evening out skin tones, enhancing color of photos, and removing tattoos or other identifying marks to preserve the anonymity of patients and, quote, would be more accurately described as photo manipulation, end quote. I just can't believe they would actually do this. I, I'm so shocked. I, can you believe it? I am, I am, I am stunned that a doctor providing non-surgical rhinoplasty would right. alter photos to make them look a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. Somebody on social media just doesn't have integrity. And also, if that intern is looking for a job or looking to replace ours at this point in time, <laughs> I could be photoshopped to look a whole hell of a lot better. <laughs> let's start bringing the hairline down about hey, an inch, okay? It's, it's, <laughs> let's hey, let's listen, break hey, it down. Hey, intern, this formula works really good for you, though. People are going to start loving you. They're going to start hating Chris more. They're going to start loving you more. You know, and which is which is a sad <laughs> fucked up thing. Like so I can't up. even pick on you anymore because now I'm getting assaulted in my DMs. Right. Like it's not even I haven't talked about this one on the show, but there was a lovely listener who messaged me. Oh, that's right. And caught me completely off guard, hit that's me right so- in the ding ding with a Saeed compliment and, and dissing me. And Saeed's pulling it up now because yeah, he wants yeah. to read it. Hey, I gotta read it. Okay, Come that's on, fine. Oh. You'd be a terrible human being. While, while you're doing that, I'm gonna look for the rest of this case. Lawsuit asserts claims for violating one, the Consumer Review Fairness Act. Two, HIPAA, mm-hmm. obviously. And three, Washington's Consumer Protection Act. Right. So I think this is fascinating as, as a context. I would love, love to see more people held accountable for I, this kind of stuff I on know, social but, media. But hopefully done the right way. I mean, this is uh, this is Mount Everest, right? I mean. I'm not really. Yeah, it's it only, is. It's, this should be a test case for them to go, okay. Are we going to get the the courtroom to go our way? Because they, they've already gone after the sellers. A lot of these sellers are in Europe or like somewhere overseas, right? Like Russia, whatever. Right. So you we can't really go after them. But they're not going successful. after the sellers. They're going after the buyer. Well, now. Right. But they did in 2019 when this case really, and for the effectively three years, they had been going after the sellers to the extent they can because it seemed like an easier target. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think that if this goes well mm-hmm. and they win this, you start going after big buyers. Okay. Right. Now, the question is, how do you prove they bought them? So that, that's a whole different thing, right? You know, you can prove that people are selling them. Yeah. So how do you prove that they're buying them? I know, especially when they buy it on the blockchain. <sighs> oh, God damn. We know the blockchain don't work, Come bro. on, man. Yeah. So real quick, shout out to my man, Jonathan Dominguez. I get a name by name. That's fucked up. It's John. You know I'm your co-host, right? Like Chris, You're supposed to give a shit about my feelings. Chris decided to post something on the stories about the S&P CoreLogic case shiller. 
National Home Price Index. Okay, we talk. Listen, don't, don't, don't back. <laughs> and then, and then Jonathan, I'm so proud of him. Listen to the show consistently. Kick me right in the dick, bro. Right. Jonathan, Jonathan was like, fuck this guy. I'm going to show him what's up. Decided, decided to. He basically de- threw like text message gang signs at me. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he was so profound. He was straight banging on yeah, me. Yeah, very well. Very well said. I wonder who told us this was going to happen before this was published. In my response, I'm being a fucking moron. I shouldn't have responded. I should have seen it coming. I took the bait like a little bitch. First response, no one I know. Side eye. <laughs> what a piece of shit you are. This is my DS. I don't know if he knows you. You already, you, already, you already know. You already knew you were caught right-handed. Actually, I heard this from one guy that has beautiful arms and feet. Once I think the last name was Omar, first name was Saeed. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Sounds like somebody from Afghanistan. Ouch. Well played. Yeah, yeah that's my response is ouch, well played. Because it was well played. Like he... He caught me off guard and bitch slapped me. Appreciate yeah. you, Jonathan. Well, I'm glad one of us does. Yeah. Um, well, my feelings are hurt. Nobody cares. Let's go on to another article, shall we? Yeah. I mean, I apologize for jumping left on, on the whole social media thing. But I think it's fascinating. I know. I tried to throw you that lob what? to transition you into this, but I thought it was a fascinating article. Thank you. So the U.S. is suffering from the second biggest home price correction of the post-World War II era. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Come on. <laughs> we end the show right now. It's 31 minutes in. No. We're going to be like, what happened to the rest of the show? Said did it. Yeah, Said fucked it up. Yeah, Said fucked it Always up. Always fucks it up. So this is according to Fox Business. U.S. suffering from the second biggest home price correction of the post-World War II era was the headline as Said read. In bold, on top, I found it to be extremely eye-catching and somewhat. So somebody recently attacked me on Twitter saying that that on the show we cite articles that are from not exactly concrete sources and i found that to be a little offensive oh that's right we gotta we have to talk about this that, that's not that wasn't fair it wasn't fair so he was getting mad about the article that i cited about uh the consumer savings rate which is not the household savings number yes so to clarify the consumer savings rate is how much the consumers are saving every quarter or month right right so in this case every month the number of savings that people are saving the dollars they're saving is going down dramatically right but it's not to say that household savings, the, the number in aggregate that all households have across the U.S. in total savings is is falling off that same number. Basically, what it's this is a precursor metric. Right, of course. So he said that you didn't say savings rate. You didn't say the word rate. Rate. Yeah. Right. So I, I responded back saying, yeah, I'm talking about the personal savings rate. And I said, effectively, it, it's semantics. What I was referring to is the savings rate being cut as drastically as it has. Right is a precursor to a bigger problem, like household savings going down with time. Right. The same way that we saw the deceleration in home values and then ultimately a, a value decline, but it took a long time to get there. Right. The same way we're seeing layoffs now as, as an indicator for what's going to come in the unemployment rate. The same way we're, we're seeing home sales go down before home prices start to come down. Exactly. So Ben Baller, who yeah, I'm a big fan. He, Likewise, he, shout he, out Ben. Yeah, he picked it up. Ben Yang picked it up and he re- retweeted it. Mm-hmm. And it got a lot of love. Patrick Schwarzenegger was one of the people who who responded and retweeted it. Son of Daddy Schwarzenegger. Son, son of the goat. Yeah. Let's just goat. stop right there. Yeah. Leave it right there. Pause for emphasis. Yeah, nothing else to say. Yeah. You say anything bad about him, I will slap this. Oof. Oof. Yeah, don't yeah, make me. Yeah. Arnold, Arnold's a boss. Yeah, I'll force you to watch. He smokes his stogies inside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That was one of the most strange comments I've ever seen in my entire life. I listened to it in my entire life. Um, but so Patrick Schwarzenegger retweeted this as well. And then this guy apparently came from him and it was sort of like attacking me and copying him mm-hmm. on the responses. Mm-hmm. 
And then he, he made a quip about why don't I, you know I hold myself to a higher standard. Oh, so funny. And ah, uh, you did some research. I saw what you did there. I actually wasn't mad at him because to be honest with you, let me look. Most people don't even do the research looking at your profile until they start running their mouth talking some trash. So right. Yeah, he did a little bit of research. But I don't like it when people talk trash and they don't have a face behind their name. Yeah, and he didn't have their name or nothing. Yeah, it, was, clearly it was a not very anonymous troll. account. Last time he actually posted anything was in 2019. But the point was, he was upset that we were citing an article. Now, if you recall from the show, right. we specifically said that it wasn't that great of an article, but they cited Fed data, which we did verify. Yes. So it was based off of Fed. Right. And and like I will say, objectively speaking, that sometimes you get great looks from a different context from some of these articles. Now, some of them are driven to sell you stuff, sure. Mm -hmm. But what people are gonna do, like Grant Cardone's of the world, like the Dave Ramsey's of the world, they're gonna latch on to a fact that they can establish to sell you something. That doesn't mean the fact that they're latched onto is wrong. Right. It's just being manipulated to sell you something. Exactly. We cut out the manipulation to sell you something, we hang on to the facts and we give that to you. And yeah, we might use an article, but I'm trying to be as honest as possible. If something put me off onto some data, I'm not going to skip the source and go straight to the Fed. I'm going to tell you I got it from this article which cited the Fed. Right. So for anybody who ever found that disingenuous, it's Said's fault. Yeah, and then he he then later, he or she then later went and deleted their initial comment. No, no, no. He went back and deleted a, a sharp comment. I don't think it was the initial you one. Told was me, you told me that he deleted the comment. No, no. So he made a subsequent like smart-ass comment saying, oh, the Fed data was wrong. Here's the real data. And I, so I had gone back to the original post and said to clarify because, and I tagged him and said to clarify because of this user, I want to be honest, you know, this, this is the personal savings rate, not to be confused with the household, you know, savings number right. across the country and explain the difference a little bit between them in a subsequent post on my post, which got like 87,000 views. Right. So, and then he went back and deleted his response, which said the fed data was wrong. I, I don't know, man, it's hard to tell them the motives of people, but. No, all I kept thinking was we need five star reviews, not one star. Yeah, okay. yeah, you were afraid to get that one star. Yeah. We don't I mean, pay for fake reviews. I mean, at some point you're gonna have to start ignoring all those because you're too busy for all that. I'm not that popular. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, I got a real short focus. Yeah, when you start talking trash, I got feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, Macro Trend Advisors founding partner Mitch Rochelle attributed the massive correction to Americans' uncertainty for the markets and their quote uneasiness regarding the economy. Mm -hmm. He explained on Varney and Co. Friday, I have no idea what Varney and Co. is, that the shoe to drop would be if the nation starts to see a rise in unemployment, which could cause a leg down in the housing market. Right. Okay, what in the fuck? <laughs> if unemployment? If, what, what world are you living in, bro? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, every single time I turn on the television now, I start talking about somebody else who's going to lay off in this quarter, right now, Q1 2023. Every FOMC meeting we hear, all he keeps talking about is the labor market and how he wants that unemployment number to go up. That's the point, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Your home value coming down, unemployment going up, wages coming down. That is exactly what the Fed is doing. That is a byproduct of everything that it's completely intentional. Right. So for you to go, oh my God, the U.S. suffering from the second biggest home price correction of the post-World War II era. Oh no. Right. No shit. Yeah. You know who didn't call this? Who? You know who didn't see this coming? Uh, One man. I think he's got Ram in his name. Never trust man with Ram in his name. Mm, okay. Look at that. Because home prices are in fact going down. It's been, at this point, it's not even debatable. It's a real thing. I mean, in the article, something else that they said that I thought was interesting was there was a poll that they took. 55% of Americans say they cannot afford to buy their home in today's market, according to the Cato Institute 2022 Housing Affordability National Survey. You know the quote I want right now? Give it to me. 
What? Oh. You know the quote. Demand without affordability is not demand. You had to think about it. That's that's odd. No, because I like to put my own spin on it, and you one time you corrected me on it. Yeah, no, that's a quote. We're yeah, trademarking that, 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 that That's the yeah. quote. Yeah, don't be, Yeah, don't fuck. We, we got a good thing going. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that that would be our album cover quote underneath. Right. Like exactly. us, me, you, two pit bulls, and two Lambos, and then demand without affordability is not demand. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, to go further on that affordability, America. To, to go further yeah. on that affordability. The monthly mortgage payments are up nearly 60% from where they were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, look, and look where rates are. Rates are almost three times as much as they were. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just, that's just going to get bad. And, and that's the affordability crisis. We already had an affordability. This is the part that people miss. Okay. And let me, let me, all, the, all of you out there who are like, shit, man, home prices are expensive. Like, this is crazy. Just even when rates were low. Right. You were not fucking wrong. Right. They were crazy. They still are crazy. For home prices to go up in the period of two years, 46% in some markets. Right. That shit's not normal. I don't know how else to tell you. And some of these people are like, you know, home values are going to go up. And, you know, I'm not even doing the Dave Ramsey hate like I normally do. I'm just saying that people, people think that home values go up year over year over year. And sure, when you zoom out on a chart of home prices at a 30,000 foot elevation and look down, it looks like straight lines. But when you zoom in, there's lots of peaks and valleys in between. Right. And I'm telling you, we were calling this so early. We, I mean, 10 to 15 percent. And in the beginning, I think I called 15 to 25 percent or something like that as a correction. And I backed off to 10 to 15 because the numbers just were slow, so slow to move. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know why people get so uh, even realtors across the country are getting so like concerned. No, no, they're not going to go down. And again, for those in the back, the National Association of Realtors looks at the market with a very different lens. Their solution to the affordability crisis is not home values going down, it's rates going down. Right. Because that is not what drives commissions for them. Right. Now the Mortgage Bankers Association has a very different spin on on what drives affordability and demand. Right. Because they get paid off of the amount of loans they can do and as rates go up or down, it obviously impacts them as well. Right. And I think a major reason why these Home prices haven't adjusted or corrected to what we predicted as of just yet, right? Less people right now are looking to buy homes, meaning there's less of a demand, right? Affordability affordability is out the window. This will ultimately push the prices down. However, sellers with less sellers, which means there's less supply, which pushes the demand up even a little bit for those that are looking for homes so they can keep those prices still where they've been at. And some people are still going to feel that need for that utility. Yeah, I mean, look, of course, there's always in every market. There's going to be somebody who buys. Right, you have to move, work, whatever it is. Right, exactly. I know a couple right now has moved from California to, to Tennessee. Mm. They, they got a job offer out there, and they were both laid off. Right, so they move. Mm-hmm. Whether they buy, whether they rent, I mean, you know, it's on them. But these things are going to happen in a normalized market. But we did have a supply shortage, and that was the the perspective that was heard around the world. Right. Home values have to go up. They have to stay high because there's a supply shortage. A supply shortage. Supply and demand. Right. Supply and demand. It drives the markets. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Right. Exactly. Okay. Affordability is what drives the markets. Because I don't give a damn how how much demand there is out there. Mm-hmm. You're window shopping if you can't afford it. Right. And right now there is no affordability. And the affordability that was bad before. So just put just to frame this in perspective, when home values go up. 46% in one in in you know some markets in a single two year period. Wild. Wild number, right? And then you have rates go up much quicker than home values are coming down. Oh yeah. We're at a point where it's even more unaffordable than it was before and even though values will correct in some cases 10-15% down, 
mm-hmm. it's still way less affordable than it was at those higher values because rates are so much higher. Right. It's basic math. Right. So this affordability issue is not getting better. It's getting worse right now. Exactly. And you can't really call it a you know housing crash because since February of 2020, home prices went up as much as 40%. Yeah. So it, for it to get corrected or adjusted 15 to 25%, Okay, I get it. Anything above twenty percent, usually they consider it a crash. But when you when you think about it retroactively, and you you think it went up forty percent as of February of twenty twenty. I mean, come on. Well, my my point is, is where were the articles back in twenty twenty when values were skyrocketing? Yeah, going like, holy shit, values have gone up way too much. Yeah, that would be worrisome a little bit, right? Like, yeah, what's going on? Or my home went up twenty percent this year. <laughs> you know what? It went up last year twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, this is the new standard. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I just buy homes now as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, it got to the point people just literally buying stupid shit homes. Like, mm-hmm. I can Airbnb arbitrage this. And even if it doesn't work out, I'll sell it. Right. I'll sell it tomorrow. Right. It's all good. Yeah. And I'll the, make 20% selling the next year. And the reason why we believe that it's still going to get adjusted or corrected another 10 to 15%, right? Who's going to buy? Yeah, who's going to buy? One of three things needs to happen to fix this affordability issue. Mm. Give it to me, Obi Wan. For this, yeah, Obi Wan. It's the laureate, everybody. <laughs> no. He's preaching. No, preach, laureate. Either mortgage rates will have to come down. Guess what? That's not happening. No. Yeah. Um, income will have to increase. Man, people about to lose mm, jobs, bro. No, That's not happening, not happening either. That is directly what the Fed is trying not to have happen. By the way, the only lasting remaining is prices have to adjust or correct. That's the only way this works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think we're going to be in a weird juxtaposition given the super low rates and the lack of sellers in the economy to see. I think it's going to be very sticky. It's going to be very hard to see the values go down as quickly as they need to. Yeah. So I I think 2023 is going to be a quiet year, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've already said the first two quarters are going to be a fucking bloodbath. Yeah. It's going to be a tough year. I don't care what sector you're in. Right. You're all going to be affected. Yeah. And I was thinking about the auto industry the other day, right? So all these auto dealerships that are trying to keep this image and curate this image of having like a little bit like less vehicles on yeah, the lot. Yeah, right. Forcing the the dealers to the actual franchises, like you know Ford, GM, Chrysler, everybody to to hold the cars. At the end of tw- at the end of December, you know, Ford, these major dealers are calling up and saying, "Hey, look, franchisee, yeah, I'm not having this on my balance sheet at the end of the year. They're going into your inventory. They are on your way to you. Yeah, you will take delivery of these vehicles. I don't care if you want your lot to look empty to cr- increase demand. You're taking these vehicles. They're going to be on your balance sheet. So they're going to get flooded. They're going to get flooded. Mm-hmm. And I shared the story on my last, you know, the last podcast where I talked about my Jeep, right? Right. I asked around a bunch of other dealerships since then. And it's a very common thing. More people are repairing their vehicles and buying new ones. And a lot of these service centers just don't have the manpower. And I'm like, why not? And one of the guys told me, he said, look, man, if you're a mechanic with the way minimum wage is in the state now, right. in some places, you can make just as much money working from home, not getting dirty, not going to work every day. Wow. In the comfort of your home. Yeah. Why would you go do it? Why would, yeah. Hard labor. So he's like, we're, we're, we're having a difficult time getting tradesmen in to do the job. Right. That on top of this extra high demand for them means very difficult to get your car fixed. Jeez. What do you do? What do you do? Exactly what I did. You fix it your damn self. You man up. Come on now. Yeah. You open that hood. You get on YouTube and you figure that shit out. 2023, man. I don't think we're allowed to say man up anymore. Oh, man. Yeah. You see testosterone up? <laughs> Is that what you say? I don't know. The, the appropriate yeah. vernacular? Yeah. I want to be all inclusive here. Like, yeah, I don't offend anybody. Yeah. Or do you say you find your inner you and chase yeah. it? Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I want to make everybody happy, but I don't want to be woke. 
Yeah, I know. I don't. Like, you know I, I, I don't like, want to give in too much. I mean, come on. I mean, so we grew up with some of that stuff. Like, right? That's the problem. Is I grew up with. Look, and I understand some of it is wrong. Some of it's right in retrospect. But as much as society changes because their their comfort level with things is different, like, do I have to change? I mean, my intent is clean. You know my intent. Nah, I don't really though. Sometimes you know I feel intent. like it's not. My intent is not always clean. Yeah, you're very. My no, intent yeah. is very dirty sometimes. Right, right. Dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> dirty, dirty. And I know it. Like, I, know. I know who I am. I see the way you look in my eyes. I know what I get. Yeah, there's a twinkle sometimes, bro. Well, sometimes. Well, the right set of circumstances. <laughs> exactly. But the right lighting in the studio. Is uh, that I, why you got the lighting off? <laughs> no, but I I don't want to share this with you. But in for the sake of somebody seeing me do this shit, I want to make sure we're clear. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna admit something to you and you only. Everybody else, turn your radio down for five seconds. Turn it back on. <laughs> turn your radios. Uh, turn your eight tracks on. Like, how old are you? God damn! I'm not woke enough to say you're you're a digital player. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Nobody Dude. has a radio anymore, huh? Uh, no. Like, no, no, nobody. What? Who's listening to the radio at this point? Do you really even need like a radio in your car? It should just have Bluetooth only. I swear to God, that's all, that's all you need. Who's listening to the radio? I don't think anybody does. Anyway, before I get off topic again the same story okay um i lamented to my wife that since having the testosterone injections oh because as your hormones change your, your hair starts growing back the hair on my arms and my legs and my back and all that stuff are growing back get a little fuzzy wuzzy a little fuzzy wuzzy yeah. right With, you know it's not bad it's sparse so i'm going to get touch-ups on my arms so you understand why i'm so hairy in my leg no yeah so you get it your hormones this, not this changing, natural bro. this yeah this natural no, testosterone no, it's, not it's too much for one man to handle okay yeah. <laughs> i got another story for that too my cousin was the hairiest man i ever met in my entire life his name's Kavit, right kevin uh-huh okay hairiest dude ever i remember as a kid he made me cry he took me to the great western forum for my first game watch magic johnson play he was driving oh, us up yeah. in a stick shift right great western forum driving us up in a stick shift and i looked down his arm hair all the way around no gap no skin oh. all the way around his arm forearm right <laughs> i looked at it i'm like come uh, on man i'm like kevin Kevin, am I going to be hairy like you? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, you are. And this dude's like blanket, fur blanket in the back, the whole thing. Yeah. I cried my ass off. <laughs> and he's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that hairy. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me dead in the face, right? Yeah. He's driving in the middle of the traffic, going to LA. Yeah. Looks at me dead in the face, right in the sockets of my eyes. Yeah. Okay. And he says to me, don't cry. Women fucking love this. Yeah, embrace that shit. They love this. It's like having sex with an animal. I was like 12, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he was so passionate about being hairy. Yeah. I never figured that out. Yeah. I've never been passionate yeah. about being hairy. And you heard him say that and you still went and lasered everything off. I did. Yeah. So, so here's the part that I got to get out of the way. So I had laser all the way up to what I think you would describe as the bikini area. I can't believe you're sharing this. I'm sharing this, right? This is unbelievable. And it bothers me that there's like certain parts of my body which are still hairy, but yeah. the rest of it's not. Right. So I'm finally going to get my ass in the bikini area taken No care. way. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm getting it done, bro. Bro, wait. What is no, no ding, ding, and sack, but everything else. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. My wife scheduled it today. And my wife she like, scheduled it for yeah, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, what am I not going to tell my wife? No, you, do it for me. you can't do it yourself? Maybe I want to get my ass in my bikini area done. I, I don't wear bikinis, just for the record. Right. That's what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. But not my ding, ding, and you know, not the giggle berries and all that stuff. You don't go to sleep for this, right? What? You don't go to sleep for this? No, man. It's a laser. You shave it all and they just they, they take Bro, a laser. Bro, that shit goes, hurts. What do you oh It doesn't hurt God. that much. Come on, man. Nah, man. Man. There's people who do the anus. That's that's not me. There are people who the, do that. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like you're getting pretty close. That's <laughs> the next step. I mean, I'm, hey, I'm uh, gonna a, be in the area. As an underwriter, when I look back at historicals, <laughs> <laughs> it's that that's the trend where this is yeah. going. <laughs> 
Hey man, like sometimes you just gotta do what hey, you gotta do. Hey, good for you, man. You're confident. I'm not. I'm not not confident. I'm just saying, like, look, like I don't want you to. I don't want you and your wife to be out and catch wind of this and like you know my wife talking to him some shit. Like I'm getting this <laughs> yeah, out there. I'm yeah, airing this open out. Kimono. Yeah. Yeah. Real open kimono. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm letting this out there. So you want to know what it's like? I'll tell you afterward. But we, yeah, you know. So uh, the wife and I are discussing um, some will and trust stuff that we want to get established here. That's something on. on that this we is a transition right now. From, yeah, yeah. From yeah. The no, labor in the bikini area to this. Yeah, to this. Yeah. Okay. So um, part of the culture is when people in the culture pass away, they got to get their body washed before they get buried, right? Yeah, yeah. I told her one of the things, non-negotiable, no one I know can wash the body. That's oh, it. I'm washing your body. No, yeah. Hell no. If you it's die on, before me, no, man. If you die before me, I'll be like, I always knew his shit was small. Hey, yeah, that, that's why you will not be the trustee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like they have, he really does have a Brazilian butt lift. Look at this; it's, it's so fibrous. <laughs> I think there's something wrong. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Got that Kardashian a long time ago. Like, God, man, that's got to be a tough thing—a tough pill to swallow. The BBL? No, when you get when you get as you get older, you just know, like, man, one of your homies is gonna wash you. Like, fuck, this is fucked. That's up. a weird cultural thing, man. Like, we don't do that. Like, yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah. Like when I die, like just burn me. Yeah. <laughs> like send me send me in a cup home. Yeah. Well, they wash you, and there's the, the ideology behind it is they, they're praying for you while they're washing you. Yeah, I would not be praying for you while I was yeah, washing you. I'll tell you right now. All uh, kind of jokes. I'll be, I'll be thinking of some nasty-ass thoughts. <laughs> like, mm, damn. Yeah. Ooh, he hairy. <laughs> He's way hairier <laughs> he than should've, I thought. He should have got his bikini laser. <laughs> all right, get back, get back, get back on, on the show, man. Focus on the show. Dirty pervert. Yeah, we got a top 1% show here. Let's yeah. go. Since last November, rent has risen 7.45% nationwide. Now, I will say that is on the downward trend. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see a lot of areas that have these skyrocketing rental rates come back down. For those of you lucky to live in the few states in the United States that have rent control, you were not as impacted by this as others were. But certainly with even states like California has uh, statewide rent control and also submarket rent control there were still some pretty significant changes in people's rents. Right. But not as impacted by most. Which the report notes is the lowest year-over-year rise in the past 15 months. 7.5% was the lowest in the past 15 months. Still pretty high. Pretty high. Like that CPI number. Meanwhile, rent fell 3.8% in Nevada. One of only five states to see a year-over-year decline in rent prices. Saw that. So Rent.com's places that national median monthly rent at $2,007. God damn. That's a lot. Average? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot more than people's mortgages. Some people's mortgages. My mortgage is seventeen hundred dollars a month before HOA. That's, I, I put that out. I put that out there to see. I know. If you, if I know. You're trying to make me the asshole again. <laughs> look at you. I know. I know. <laughs> Not the asshole. You're the smart one. I look. I don't live in a big place. Right. I'm a ball hard like you and our intern over there. Wow. Yeah. You guys both have bigger houses than me. Don't do this. I live in eleven hundred eighty square foot place, three story townhome, no guard gated community like you two princesses. Wow. Like, I'm out here. It might as well yeah. be. I drove by your house, man. There was a pack of coyotes. Guarding that whole community. <laughs> Bro, I got home the other night from the podcast. We can't, that's why I can't do this shit late with you guys no more. I got home. I swear to God, there was a coyote outside my Jeep door because I parked in the street. Bro, they just, just I can't roaming, afford a big-ass garage like you guys do. Oh, wow, big-ass garage. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I park in the street, right? And I, I get ready to get out of my, my Jeep. 
there's a coyote there looking at me. Yeah. If I was hairy like you, I could blend in. Yeah. But I can't blend in. Yeah, he looked at you. So exactly. I know I'm fresh meat. So I just yeah. stayed in the Jeep. I'm like, fuck you. We'll see which one of us wears down first, right? <laughs> no, you did it. I was playing on my phone. My wife's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm hiding from a coyote. She's like, what yeah. the fuck? Get into the house. I'm like, I don't want to die. Yeah. There's like two of them out there. There's a whole fucking pack. For all I know, I was going to be lunch. <laughs> and you know, there's no hair to bite through. It's fucking convenient for them. I swear to God. But yeah, can you believe that, man? $2,007 a month. Smell the sexy from outside the Jeep. I'm not going back to rent, man. No, man, they saw they saw your Jeep, man. That's not a rugged Jeep. Yeah, that's fake hustle. That dude only goes to REI to look like he's shopping at REI. There you go. <laughs> Y'all want to see my REI receipt? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah so rent rent is, has been kind of crazy. What, what I found fascinating was Nevada, if you recall from the Great Recession, was one of the hardest hit states, mm-hmm. including uh, I think neighboring Phoenix, Arizona, and those areas in Arizona were, were pretty hit pretty yeah. hard. So uh, Maryland was down 1.3%. Idaho was down 1.3%. Georgia was down 1.2%. Virginia was down 0.1%, kind of rounding out those five. Yeah. So an interesting set of circumstances. And the other states were really surprising. I didn't I didn't expect to see Maryland, Idaho, Georgia, and Virginia on that list. I would expect to see like Nevada, Arizona, and maybe some of the other states that are a little more popular, like Texas, for example. Right. During the exodus from places like California and some of that stuff when the work from home got really high. but. And we talked about it on the show too, right? So this number right here really contributes to the shelter aspect of, you know, the uh, CPI report, right? Yeah, rent or rent equivalent is the way they phrase it. So right. that's, that's around a third of the report, correct? About, yeah, 32%. Yeah. Yeah. 30, 32% of CPI is rent or rent equivalent. And for those of you who are uninitiated, it's your rent number. That's an easy one, right? Whatever people pay for average on rent, right? Mm-hmm. That number needs to come down. So that $2,000 a month, right? The median number needs to come down in order to, really drag down inflation, especially if it's 32% of it, right? Right. The other portion of it is rent equivalent. So if you bought a home, what your equivalent rent would be, obviously that number is way higher than $2,000. Like exactly. what, what's your mortgage payment right now? Uh, with taxes and insurance? Yeah. All in of $4,000. God damn, you ball hard. Yeah. Wow, I'm in the presence of greatness. <laughs> I'm just being honest. With tax, Jesus. That's with taxes and insurance. You want to hear some fucked up shit? Hey, Aaron Turn, what's yours? $4,700? God damn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, it's honest. Jesus, boy. But yeah, that's what it is. So, like, do you take the yacht out when you get bored or what? Like, <laughs> yacht it Jesus. up. Jesus. Yeah, bring it back. Yacht it yeah, up. Yeah, man. $4,700. Jesus. Like, does the, the Clintons live with you? <laughs> Jesus. Did the, what would you say? Do the Clintons live with you? Oh, Chelsea Clinton? Like, yeah, which, one, which one's in the back? <laughs> that's hilarious. The Obama's visit? Yeah. I mean, do you call it a palazzo when people aren't there? Like, <laughs> like, like what are you referring to it as? Comes to my palazzo. Right. I'm in the south of the hills of Anaheim. Yeah. No? <laughs> so, I mean, that contributes to a third of the report. Yeah, it's, it's a big number. And that's, that's that's the irony of people talking about inflation coming down. They're like, oh, yeah. And so, if you recall from previous shows, I've said that inflation will get really sticky around 6.57%. That's why. Yes. It's because we've seen food prices actually haven't come down. Right. So. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy. Even though we buy that shit every day. Yeah, this is the most fucked up thing. We actually have to do that, you know, to survive. Yeah. yeah. You gotta buy food. Yeah, I can't exclude it from my from my <laughs> living expenses. Listen, listen, Saeed, you're not you're not understanding how we look at this as a Fed. Okay. Yeah. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy. Yeah. Uh, is what we look at as a primary indication of inflation coming down. Right. All right. We don't fucking care if you have to eat and travel. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Going to work. So what? So what? Work from home, bitch. Right. Fast. Yeah, figure it out. You saw what Liver King did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sadly, that's the way it is. So effectively, unless you see home prices come down significantly, you're never really going to make a big dent in that inflation. Right. And it, 
for that for that rent to really start coming down, you got to remember people are signed up on these twelve month leases. By the time they expire and they have to renew, you know, you're not going to see these updated rent figures really start to adjust by till I'd say Q three next year. Q2, I think Q3. you start seeing I think you start seeing some palpable shifts by by the end of Q two mm-hmm. and start of Q three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it'll it'll be reported on at the end of Q three, beginning of Q four. So here's something I wanted to get your take on. Ooh, I don't being, provide being, any more takes. Being the executive at a publicly traded company bank. Why do you try to make are? why do you try to flex on me when your mortgage payment is twice as much as mine? More than twice as much as mine. This, bro. You have a lot of mortgage payments. How about that? Stop. The, stop. Uh, those those free cash flow. Well, okay. Hey, those are mortgage payments. I don't even technically hey, own many, those. My trust question. owns just, those. Just answer the question, okay? What? How many mortgage payments do you have? Wow, that's a tricky question. That's a tricky question. Yeah, you like that's that? A, that's a tricky question. Okay. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. On my personal credit report, I have uh seven. Wow. On I think seven or eight. Oh, so seven, hard. Maybe seven, I think. Because I refinanced one of them out to the to a corporation. In so, my trust, I've got well, I should so I've been moving to more business lines of credit and more business lending because mm-hmm. when you hit a ten properties, you can't get traditional lending anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, all in is like 30-something properties. Right. Yeah. So then how do people normally juggle that? If they have 10, they got to, you know, pay one out, all cash. I mean, if you if you ball hard like you guys do, you could probably like, pay for like, it cash. Oh, wow. But, um, so here's my, here, here's my question. Here's why, why I brought this up. I aggregated them and got a commercial commercial line of credit against them. Got it. Yeah. Well, I got a commercial loan against them and then a line of credit feature. So I gave them way more collateral than they needed. They refinanced all the primary lenders that were all, you know, they're all government backed, like Freddie, man. You know, Fannie I feel like whatever. this is a great, like, full episode. Yeah, man, it's interesting. So it, when you get to a period where you, so I started off just buying homes, right? And then right. as you start buying homes, you get to this point where nobody will finance you anymore. And I knew when I got to about like nine or ten, I think it was mm-hmm. nine properties before mm-hmm. I got to ten. I knew I was like, right, I'm, I'm gonna save the tenth one for that home that I'll buy for myself. It's a big one, and then I'll keep my old, my current property as a rental. That day never came, but then I started like, okay, well, I have to work logistically to get the impacts to me down, right? So one of the things that sucks is when you buy properties of a single family, they're all in your credit report. Right. And the reason why they, they won't finance you anymore, right, is because they're not they're not underwriting and seeing the cash flow of the property like an investment. No, they firm, do. It's just they, that Freddie Fannie thinks that anything above 10 properties is considered higher risk and yeah. they don't want to keep you in a portfolio that everybody else who has like standardized right. risk. Because I was going to say for like the conventional loans, don't they underwrite your personal cash flow? Yeah, they do. But here's the way it works, right? If you've had that property on your credit report, or I'm sorry, if you had that property for over a year on your taxes. Mm-hmm. So then let's say I buy a property in June, right? Right. I've already paid taxes, but then I got to go all the way through December and then pay my next round of taxes, which is going to happen by April if I don't go on extension, mm-hmm. right? So that tax return will have only six months of that property's cash flow on my personal cash flow to help bump it up. Exactly. So then a year later after that, I get a full year cash flow. They'll underwrite to that cash flow on the property. Exactly. That's why people who tell you like, oh, I bought like 14 properties this year. It's like, bro, unless you got like a major cash flow positive situation going or like a, a windfall of money right you're just not buying that many properties because well you can borrow with no money down okay you still have, to have the fucking cash flow to make the payment bro exactly that no money down bullshit when you walk to the logistics of somebody who actually does this for a living like i can poke holes in this shit all day long because i've lived through it right like i knew myself so to, without getting into like details well into seven figures in income you mm-hmm. know my mortgage payment is 1700 bucks a month right right like i'm i'm making money yeah like i have zero credit card debt i have american express to pay off every single month also hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I have no car payments, like nothing. Other than other than the debt that I have on properties, which each one of those cash flows positive. I mean, even for me, right. It's impossible to scale at at huge pace. Exactly. 
because you gotta you gotta season this shit. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get in the commercial world and you go into a multifamily loan, primary source of repayment isn't my personal cash flow. It's the it's the cash flow of the building. Exactly. Second is the equity of the building, and third, me is my sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Those loans don't typically go on your credit report. Exactly. Those are business loans. And I remember I'm, I'm being guaranteeing so baffled. It. I yeah. remember being so baffled by that when I first started out. Yeah, I'm guaranteeing it, but they don't show up in my credit report. Right. So I started the transition more into that in a way from single-family residence loans. Yeah. But one of the problem was is I kept wanting to buy these single-family residence loans so I could find deals there. And there's way, it's a lower, lower pond to play in. Mm-hmm. There's way more opportunities there. Yeah, exactly. So I started buying those in, in, with a bank that I found in the area. So what I did is I was in Oklahoma at the time. I went, I went to Oklahoma City and I visited like three or four banks in the area. And I found the one that would give me the best business terms for a business loan. And I, what I did is I gave them five or six properties as collateral, mm-hmm. right? That over collateralized the loan. Right. And then they got a business loan. Now my amortization is way shorter. I pay them off way faster. And there's some reasons why you should do it. And then I gave them some loan, some properties that were paid off in cash and I got a line of credit against them. Wow. So okay. now I've got an amortizing business term loan and I've also got a line of credit that I can use to go out to the market. I do that in each market that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Because some banks, like Oklahoma banks, don't want to go to Texas. Texas banks don't want to go to Oklahoma. Right. So there's makes, a couple different ways of breaking sense. down. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a longer episode. And they, and, and they have to service their own communities. They right. service their own communities. They have their own needs. But a lot of people don't. Like, um, Oklahoma's a very, like, energy market, energy-focused market. Like, oil, energy, and gas. Yeah. And there's gaming and all stuff there. It's very, like, regional. So a lot of these people don't want to mess with areas they don't understand the business so a lot of people are hesitant to go into places like oklahoma because they just got crushed there in the past when energy sector dies right so there's a lot of exposure there me i'm like i don't give a shit like Mm -hmm. i'm buying homes there exactly for me like there's as far as i'm concerned there's an under there's an underservice there's really not a whole lot of multifamily there it's underserved so i like i like that area right but So, so for people that are in this market as buyers what are you seeing and why I brought up you being an executive at the bank now? I'm sure you've seen this a lot is I, I'm starting to see some people really trying to assume loans. Yeah, assumptions are interesting. So for commercial loans, this is not apply for single family. And just to give everyone a quick little backstory, assumable loans allow someone to take over the seller's existing home loan without applying for a new mortgage so they can benefit off the low rate that they have already. Bro, you're reading a definition. We do this for a living. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, I'm just making sure I get my thoughts in order. You, that's a Google definition right there. That's not. That's my, that's my Bro, own Bro, we literally do this for a living. Why are you yeah, reading that? You yeah, know exactly. what this is. I know exactly what this is. The, you're a laureate, goddammit. <laughs> Make sure my thoughts are in order. All right. So I'm going to give everyone kind of the context, and then I'm going to talk about why you're not going to see a lot of these in the market. Okay. So in the last several years, you saw historic low interest rates. Right. So for most commercial loans, they're assumable. And generally speaking, for the middle market, small balance, workforce housing, that's a 1% assumption fee. 1% of the unpaid principal balance, and then you can step into the shoes of the person who's providing a guarantee. Totally worth it if you can do it, right? Totally worth it. So to give you some context, if someone got a 7 or 10-year hybrid loan, right? Yeah, adjustable rate mortgage. Fixed for the first 7 or 10 years, and then after that, it goes 30-year amortizing. In some cases, it goes you know, 30 minus 7 or 10, or 20 or you know, right. 23 years amortizing. Uh, if you got, if someone got that loan two or three years ago at a 3%, 3.5% rate, if you were to go to the market right now and try to buy that property, you get into a purchase contract and you try to buy it, you're going to have a 6% plus rate. Right. Right. Not ideal. Or you can pay the 1% fee and assume that loan and keep the remaining term of the loan. So if they got it two years ago, 
you got five or eight years left on it. And have that property cash flow as it is right now. And have that property cash flows as it is right now. Obviously, your purchase price, you would have to come up with a difference. Yeah, the equity. Do the equity. Now, in California states with the land value is so high and you get to a lower loan to value, that's, that's not an uncommon thing for someone to bring in a massive amount of equity. So it's not really cost prohibitive for most people. Right. Especially for these syndicated deals, right? If you're a syndicator and you want to try to put together an investment pool and you want to buy a property that's got a great loan like that underneath, you say to your, your syndication, I need more money, but I'm going to get a super low cost of funds on the, on the loan because I'm going to assume it. Right. So the assumptions are subject to the then in place underwriting guidelines of the lender that gave them the loan. Exactly. They have to underwrite you, treat you like a new loan. You submit your package like you would like anybody else who was getting a normal loan with them, like a refinance, like a purchase. Mm-hmm. But. But, but, big but. But, big but. BBL. Yeah. In this market, banks have raised their underlying assumption criteria, their underwriting standards, the subject to the then in place underwriting guidance. Right. Because it's not in their best, best interest. Right. Why would you? This loan is already on our books. Already on our books. We have no need to substitute you out. And right now, if I made you a loan at 6% versus 3.5%, I'm almost mm-hmm. doubling the money that I'm getting back from my shareholder. Right. And although the loan is assumable, it doesn't mean that we have to co- sign off on it as a bank, right? Well, I mean, you have to be somewhat pragmatic about how you do this because you can't treat similarly situated people differently. Exactly. Right. But you have to have your underwriting standards. So most banks at this point have jacked up their underwriting standards for new loans and assumptions. Okay. It's just hard to qualify. Yeah. So you can assume a loan. It's just extremely difficult in this market to do so. Right. Uh, underwriting rates, I think, for some of these lenders are 2, 2% over the current start rate. Right. Or qualification rate. Mm-hmm. Well, if the current start rate is 6% and they qualify you 8%, yeah. it's not going to be very easy for you, you to qualify. You, right. Exactly. So you're going to have to come in with a whole lot more cash. Yep. Which in, you know, will be cost prohibitive for most. Mm-hmm. So, Gen- generally speaking, government back loans, federal housing administration, FHA loans, U.S. Department of Veterans, VA loans, and U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA loans, um, all qualified to be assumable, right? They almost all have the same language in there for 1%. Yeah. yeah. It, it can vary a little bit here and there. Conduit loans, the larger big scale loans, insurance company, life co loans. Right. Those those have some custom made docs and those might not have the same stuff there. But generally speaking, your middle market, small balance, multifamily workforce housing, all the way up to twenty-five million call it dollars mm-hmm. in in loan dollars, they're gonna have one percent assumption fee. Yeah. All right. Now you know. Yeah. Get out there and start getting those commercial loans. Let's go, baby. Well, I will tell you this gets interesting is if you buy like a five or six unit property. Mm-hmm. one to four unit one to four doors right that's okay. going to be a single family residence loan it'll show up in your credit report right but if you bought a five unit property mm-hmm. doesn't show up in your credit report right you get a commercial loan but you got five doors versus four doors and you don't have it on your credit report which means you still have the ability to do things on your own personal yeah credit. assuming the lender knows what they're doing though you can't just come out the gate and have your first investment property be a five unit right they're going to require you to have some local third party management company manage that property it depends on how strict they are if they're prudent they should yeah yeah because i mean that that's a little risque <laughs> look at you is that french yeah y'all. risque <laughs> uh yeah if you don't have uh, uh some prior resume and experience managing properties they'll require it but honestly i i people who self-manage their commercial real estate i, I don't get it yeah i mean for, they're trying th- to... for three to five percent they're gonna underwrite you to three five percent anyway in a worst case event scenario that, that so the bank takes over your property they're gonna underwrite you to that anyway Sure, it's not. It's three to five percent less money in your pocket, but right. you're not buying multifamily real estate as a job. But eventually, that should be part of the game plan, right? I, I mean, that's a lot of the people that I see is when they build out this empire, 
they also now run a property management company as well. Except let me give you a, a different context. Okay. That's a way to save money mm-hmm. and a way for you to have control. Yes. But what do we always talk about, you and I, is trading time for money. Yeah, of course. Right? God forbid something happens to you. Mm-hmm. You want that investment to continue to run. Exactly. You want that whole thing, that ecosystem to run. Give you a great, great example. That is a very good point. We had a really good client at the bank. I'm not going to mention any names for obvious reasons. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. He had a huge multifamily empire worth well into the nine figures. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Wild. Some of the most, I mean, beautiful pieces of real estate, really high-end multifamily apartment complexes, all multifamily. The day the guy was going to sign his trust documents. I can't believe this. Gets out of a taxi in San Francisco, falls, hits his head, goes into a coma. True story, man. You think this is like scripted right out of a movie? He has a partner, and his partner uh, had some pretty significant mental issues uh of his own to deal with right i think it was a degenerative disease i don't remember what it was but basically he had a caregiver as well and was incapable of making his own decisions he was incompetent Mm -hmm. and now there's a free-for-all for for his estate right right he did his own property management he managed it all on his own goes to the state right no no it doesn't go to the state uh, they oh, didn't have goes any to his hairs for hairs first or what? hairs? Did you say ha- hairs? Hairs goes to his hairs. Yeah, exactly. That's French too, huh? Yeah, risque hairs. <laughs> risque hairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the risque hairs are here for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, actually a little more Eastern European, maybe. <laughs> um, in any event, yeah, no, he. So now everybody's coming out of the woodworks, making claims, all that stuff. But look, forget forget about that. The attorneys have taken it over and property managed for him because trustees have stepped in and everything else. And the whole entire empire has fallen to shit. Mm-hmm. They're being mismanaged. They're not being run well. The apartment units are not being relet. The properties aren't paying taxes. Jeez. All these problems are just coming out of nowhere. But if he had had a property manager in place, right. this ecosystem would have continued to roll because the property manager gets 3 to 5% of this property's cash flow. It's in their financial interest to continue exactly. to make these things move. Mm-hmm. Whereas the attorneys, although they might be smart people, they're fucking this whole thing up. Yeah, and it's this pristine portfolio. Who you know, it is. It's it's a really tra- it's tragic. The whole thing is tragic. But what I will say is, is I look at that situation. I think to myself, for that three to five percent money that you were saving, yeah, like it wasn't going to change his life. He yeah. just wanted control, right? You now have an, a completely dysfunctional organization which is falling apart. Mm-hmm. This is why CEOs of major companies can't fly on the same flight as a chief operating officer or the CFO. Exactly, got to have some redundancy, some protocols, some safeguards. Right. My safeguard to my family is that somebody else property manages these, not me. Right. If I die, my wife is a trustee of the trust the same way I am. Mm-hmm. That that thing moves. Mm-hmm. She has she can do whatever she needs to do. That this mm-hmm. will continue to go in her way. Definitely one big thing that they would have to not be stressed out about. Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that you're getting more obnoxious comments from me, there's no more farting in the bed at oh, night, stuff like that, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's probably a stress relief for some. I know how much you like smelling me farting. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is not a fan. All the arrogance. Wow. I think the word you're looking for is flatulence. Flatulence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flatulence. Yeah. Not arrogance. Yeah. yeah. See, that makes a five-star review now. Yeah. <laughs> I love Chris's flatulence. <laughs> Nothing I say on this show is unguarded anymore. You know the worst part about it is? It doesn't matter how open and nice I am. Yeah. It's and how, how much you and our intern ball so hard compared yeah. to me. Wow. Here's what sucks. Is there still going to be some derogatory shit in the comments 
about how, like, or in the reviews, about how, like, I'm arrogant and I talk about all these things. Bro, just don't talk about my life and it sounds like, you know, a lot of cool shit's happening. Doesn't mean that I'm arrogant, bro. I'm trying to share. You're a nice guy, man. No, don't give me that <laughs> fucking, you're, why are you laughing, intern boy? <laughs> I know. That's why we can't give him a mic yet. No, this is why you do not get a mic. You get a headset and when you earn the mic, we'll put one in front of you, okay? <laughs> but I need to take some voice coaches. You're very nasally when you speak. Yeah. Very we'll, nasally. We're going to work it out. Yeah. I need you to say, uh, the trans is spanned for men and the plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send in some hazing uh, suggestions. Oh, I got a bunch of hazing suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to do a full episode on camera with no shirt on. <laughs> like, normal episode. On camera, though. On camera, no shirt on. We can do that. Like, Bert Kreischer does. Is that a thing? Bert Kreischer, the stand-up comedian, he does his whole set on stage without a shirt on. And let me I tell you right now, let me tell you right now, he does not have an attractive body. <laughs> he doesn't give a that. he doesn't give a fuck. Is that is that the like, shtick? That's his shtick. What happened to Gallagher? Remember him when he used to smash fruit with a giant hammer? Oh, Best yeah. comedy I ever saw in my entire life. Really? Best? Yeah, when I was a kid, and I used to, I remember like like seeing his stand up comedy specials. I mean, obviously, best we went with best. best. That's not what we, that's what we went with. Okay, that was a bit hard. I mean, <laughs> obviously, obviously, we all know Dane Cook's the best, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him do a comedy special recently. I'm like, this is not good. It's this terrible. Is not good. It's so terrible. It's terrible. He really profited off the MySpace. Era, Bro, right? he had he had this huge following. He does a whole comedy <laughs> shtick now. I mean, I made the mistake of watching good. some of his shit. Misdirection was good on that one. Uh, <laughs> he talks about his girlfriend's like half his age, like, oh, yeah. the whole time, and I'm like, "This is not funny. This, this is, is sad. This is, oh, yeah, <laughs> this this is awkward, this man. Is mad awkward." Yeah, but yeah, Richard Pryor, uh, Eddie Murphy, by far and away, hands down the best. Carlin, George Carlin. Yeah, he's up there, man. He was. George Carlin was very cerebral in his comedy, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the stuff that he would say would Chappelle. make you think. Yeah, Chappelle. Chappelle is probably this generation's closest thing to Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he's also a combination of Eddie Murphy and George Carlin because he's very cerebral. Yeah, very thought-provoking. Right? I've never been a huge Chris Rock fan, got to be honest with you. Really? He, that's how I got introduced to comedy. I love. I like him now that he's been slapped by greatness. Yeah. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> really? Too soon? You <laughs> slapped by greatness? <laughs> really? You take a shot across the bow. You got to go with the Will Smith shot. Like, Come on, man. Slap her around the world? I can't believe it. No. Slap Aganda? Apparently, Chris Rock is going around on tour again and there's something in there about that whole hey he's gonna crush it yeah as he should yeah, he should be so happy he got slapped <laughs> yeah that slap's gonna make him millions of dollars yeah and the slap's gonna cost will did you see emancipation fuck no no you have any desire to see it no I ha actually i don't yeah you want to know why because all i'm gonna see is chris rock the entire time yeah the whole time the exactly. whole time all i see is chris rock like, fuck uh, you i don't feel bad for you emancipation yeah, i'm gonna keep looking at his hands like man what's yeah and it's got nothing to do with race it's just will smith yeah <laughs> Exactly. This is you. Yeah, you did this. I can't get past you. are the guy who slapped him. Damn. He was like my childhood idol too, man. I know, man. Yeah. Fuck that up. Those kids are weird. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing this. We're they're not weird. touching that. I'm just saying. <laughs> weird. Oh, well, what makes them so weird? I think they're great kids. No, nah, great names. Jaden, Willow, great, great names. Willow. And don't hey, you forgot Willow? you forgot about the first one? What? You, yeah, he had another one too. No, nobody cares about him, bro. <laughs> nobody even knows his name. Was it Andre? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the first one. The first one. intern. What are you doing over there? Yeah, like we, we halfway <laughs> into this, you you should be finding the name. Yeah, that's what we do not pay you for. Yeah, <laughs> come on. So, anyways, um, we're, we're both waiting for you yeah. to actively find out. Trey, Trey that's Trey, right. I knew uh, that. Andre, Trey, I knew that. Trey, yeah, yeah it, that's yeah. what you should be. That doing, was the man. song that he, why he came up with just the two of us. It was Trey? Yeah, it's for Trey. Uh, well, back back before the slap, way before the slap. Yes, yeah, yes, before slap. BS and AS, baby. Exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, damn, bro. We didn't talk about that. That's got to be one of the most viral moments in 2022. We left that off the list. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you were so not sober that night anyway. So, I, I yeah. <laughs> you were stuttering and shit? No, I was not. You're like, yeah. this is a viral video? <laughs> Slap heard around the world. <laughs> Slapaganda. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's call it a wrap today. I think we've got enough financial information and literacy to make our intern happy. Yeah. And we got some content for a future episode. What, what content is that? What? Uh, your whole real estate portfolio and how to grow it. See, the problem is, I, okay, if I do that shit. Yeah. And I hear any arrogant shit from you afterward? No, I think it, I mean it's it's great for the listeners. Great, Bro, for, I talk great about, for me. I, I talk about fucking credit card like on the podcast, and I get DMs from motherfuckers. Did like, you say you say I fuck a credit card? No, What'd you I, say? no I, that's I what you just like, said. I feel like I'm getting fucked by the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> this makes yeah. me feel any better? But no, I talk about one one you know the whole credit card thing. One credit card, bro. Don't don't try to don't 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 hey don't downplay credit card. Oh, it's the credit card. No, it's the black credit card. Perception of it doesn't mean you're worth a lot. It just means you spend a lot. Big difference. You you. Come on, man. I'm just cherry online. You can go with the platinum car, bro. PJs, all that shit. What's the PJs? The pajamas? (laughs) No, you said that. No, you said you said me said that. I didn't say the shit. Yeah. Come on. You said me say that? You said you said you said me say this shit. (laughs) I'm getting more and more like intoxicated. We're also gonna sign up for ESL. There you go. English is not my second language. It's actually my first language. Thank you very much. All right. What was your second language? Farsi. Afghan Farsi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the OG. It's the original. What Every, do you mean? Everybody knows Iranian Farsi sounds way sexier, bro. You guys do the whole. <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah, but but I mean, it's just the proper way. Yeah, I mean, look. I guess if if you like like old English versus American English, it's up to you. Yeah, I mean that's why, I like, that's, why the show, that's why the show. That's why the show about all these things. It's bollocks, really. That's, why, that's why that's why the show Bridgerton does it's so cute. well, right? I don't watch that porn. Yeah, a lot of people do though. You can watch softcore porn at home with your wife. I don't I, even know about I it. Don't, okay? I did not. I cannot believe this. I'll show. be at home getting my bikini like lying. Later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't watch that shit. <laughs> I watched one episode of Bridgerton with my wife, and I'm like, never again. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're just watching sophomore now? Is that that's what's going on? That's what it was. I figured I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like an English drama or some shit. Yeah. You know, and then come to find out, like everybody's fucking. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like I was like, is anybody here not fucking? She's like, no, I think that guy over there. But I don't know. I think he's gonna be in the next episode, next season. He fucks somebody. I, think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch this. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna go find a place to laser my bikini line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, we're an hour and 19 minutes in. I hope you guys have a wonderful 2023. We love you. Saeed, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Why no, is that I do. It's no. because we they know you. you don't appreciate them. I do appreciate them. I just don't appreciate some of these reviews, which can't tell the real me from the personality me that brings this show up. Based on that, you know what to do. Yeah, leave an honest five-star review for Chris. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.